Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Power of attorney, a sensible piece of financial planning, or something that could leave you vulnerable to financial abuse? We explore the debate. Paul Lewis, presenter of Radio 4's Moneybox programme, argues that employers are not paying enough into company pensions. And the supermarket trolley challenge. If your pound coin got stuck, how long would you spend trying to extract it? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Have you set up a lasting power of attorney? Around two and a half million people in Britain have registered this legal document, which allows a nominated person to make financial decisions on their behalf when they can no longer do so. One person who hasn't is Denzel Lush. He is the senior judge who recently retired from the Court of Protection, who said this week he had vowed never to sign one himself, warning that power of attorney can leave people open to financial abuse, often at the hands of family members. Joining me now in the studio to discuss are Lucy Warwick-Ching, FT digital editor and Cherie Green, chair of the Law Society's Mental Health and Disability Committee and Court of Protection lead Anthony Collins Solicitors. Welcome both. Thank you. Starting with Lucy, this story has really worried FT Money readers. We've had lots of emails. What should they do? Well, they shouldn't ignore it. 85% of people in Britain don't have any kind of lasting power of attorney in place. So they won't have anybody that looks after their financial affairs if they lose the capacity to do so. Let me turn to Cherie and talk to what people should do. So how does a lasting power of attorney work? So a lasting power of attorney would enable me to appoint the people I trust most in this world to make decisions on my behalf if at some point in the future I can't make those decisions for myself. And those decisions could relate to my property and finances, paying my bills, managing my income, even selling my house. Or they could be health and welfare decisions, where I live, what care or medical treatment I receive. As you said, they are an important means of planning for later life, or indeed planning for the unexpected. And they are very useful tools, but very powerful tools. And so, best approached on the basis of very careful thought and some good legal advice. And so what are the risks then and how can you safeguard against these risks? So the greatest risk I would suggest is in your chosen individuals, your attorneys, abusing their power or neglecting their duties. Their duty is to act in my best interests, in your best interests, not in their own best interests. And so choice of attorney is absolutely key. 
statistically, if you're going to be financially abused, it's going to be by one of your adult children while you live in your own home. And yet when people come to make a lasting power of attorney, somehow sentimentality creeps in. I may have three children. It only seems fair that I appoint all three children as my attorneys. You may not want anybody to feel left out. But as a solicitor, I meet people who have chosen their children as their attorneys without thinking carefully how that might impact on their own situation. Somebody may appoint their adult son. Think about it. Is your adult son still reliant on the bank of mum and dad in his 40s? And what might the implications be then as they take on role of attorney? I've seen people who will appoint a child who loves them dearly, is very honest and honourable, but whose partner may have a gambling addiction. What are the implications there? I've had somebody who's appointed a child with some mental health issues and there's no bar against that at all but if this particular individual had bipolar disorder with periods when unwell they found themselves spending extravagantly again you know a risk issue for the individual person in that case so it is choosing your attorneys carefully and getting good advice around that this is absolutely the best safeguard against this going wrong and in fairness you know there have been 1200 investigations last year by the OPG of attorneys but there are two and a half million lasting powers of attorney registered so whilst Everyone who gets abused is traumatic for the individual, absolutely awful. We are looking at one in 2,000 potentially being at risk or being investigated. And you can protect yourself by making that key decision and getting that right at the outset. And so what happens if you do nothing? What are the alternatives? Well, if you do nothing, then... Should the situation arise whereby you lose capacity to manage your own finances, your finances will be frozen. No one will have access to your money, be able to pay your bills. Until such time as the Court of Protection appoints a property and financial affairs deputy for you. That could be a member of your family again, or in some instances, it can be a professional. But once appointed, the deputy can then make those decisions for you. But the Court of Protection is a more expensive process and it is quite long-winded to set up. So it is a solution, but some families find it a complicated and wearisome option, although it does give good safeguards. And so if not your children, then who should you give the lasting power of attorney to? Well, in fairness, in many cases, your children will be the right people. There are many families that function very well and very happily and many family attorneys who do a brilliant job. But if you don't have a child who is an appropriate person for the reasons we've touched on, then, you know, it can be a good friend. It could be another professional, a solicitor or an accountant but of course professionals will provide excellent service and of course I would say that but there are charges connected with a professional acting as your attorney. Well thank you very much there to Cherie Green and Lucy Warwick-Ching. You can read FT Money's in-depth report all about power of attorney should you sign your financial life away in FT Money on Saturday as part of the FT Weekend newspaper or online from Friday on ft.com money.
we are constantly being told to pay more into our pensions to ensure we can enjoy a comfortable retirement. But what about our employers? Sadly, they may be contributing less than you think. Paul Lewis, the FT Money columnist and Moneybox presenter, argues this week that employers are being let off too lightly. And he joins me now on the line. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Claire. So firstly, tell us the good news. More people are paying into a company pension than ever before. Yes, that's thanks to auto-enrolment. And it depends whose figures you believe. But the DWP is saying it's getting on to 10 million people now whose pension has been boosted or who are there for the first time. So, yes, it's a lot of people. But they're quite small amounts that are going in. Well, at the moment, they're negligible amounts that are going in. It's it's billed as 1% from the employer and 1% from the employee. But those percentages are of a band of earnings. And so, in fact, it's not anything like 1% of total pay that goes in. Um, if you look at the figures, it's about one and a half percent of total pay going in for those on average income and 1.2 percent for those on full-time minimum wage. So there are tiny, tiny amounts going in, which is, is a lot less than traditionally has gone into pension. Now, in the article that you've written for us this week, you've looked over the landscape over the past couple of decades, mm. the three main types of pension that you will get um, if you have a pension in this country. And you're findings are quite startling. Yes, I mean, if you take the sort of gold pension, the gold standard pension, the final salary scheme, where you're guaranteed to get a pension related to your pay when you reach pension age, whatever that is, the amount going into that has stayed fairly constant over the last six or seven years at about 20% of pay going in. So 20% of your pay goes in, and most of that is paid by the employer. It's about 15 or 16% by the employer, and the other 5% or so by the employee. So that's what you need for a, a gold standard pension. If you then look at pensions that are nowadays called defined contribution or DC pensions, where you just put in money into a pension pot and it all accumulates and investment returns are added and then when you reach pension age you have a pot of money, you decide what to do with it. The amount going in there is a lot less. Traditionally, it's been about half what goes into the final salary schemes, let's say about 10%, and about 6 or 7% of that is paid by the employer. And again, that stayed fairly constant right up until 2012. So a silver medal, if A you like. silver medal for them, yes. But then auto-enrolment? Would you say that's the bronze or maybe the tin? I think it's almost like the wooden spoon in some ways because what's been happening is, I, is that the auto-enrolment contributions are so tiny at the moment that they have dragged down the average. So the average now in 2015, and this is you know two years ago, the latest figures we have going into these schemes, was 4% of pay. 2.5% by employers, 1.5% by members. And that was the average of all these defined contribution schemes, including, of course, millions of these new auto-enrolment schemes. Now, of course, regular listeners to the podcast will know that the auto-enrolment contributions are going to rise steadily over the years. Will that make much of a difference? Well, it will make a difference. They're rising next April and they're rising the following April. And if you talk to politicians, or indeed people in the pensions world, they'll say, oh, they're going up to 8%. No, they're not. They're going up to 8% of this band of earnings. And that works out at 6.2% of total pay for someone on average earnings and 4.8% of pay for those on the national living wage. So the amounts going in, even at its best, are very small. And they're also entirely the wrong way around because the employee 
pays the bulk of it, the employer pays the lesser amount. And if you look at the figures, employers will then be paying just 3% of a band of earnings, and that'll be about 2% generally of your pay going in. And that compares to the 6 or 7% they're paying into other defined contribution schemes and the 15 or 16% they're paying into final salary schemes. So auto-enrolment lets employers off the hook as far as pensions are concerned. Well, thanks very much there to Paul Lewis. You can read his whole FT Money column, Employers Need to Pay More Into Our Pensions, online now at ft.com slash money. And you can come and hear Paul speak at the FT Weekend Festival. This is our annual jamboree to be held on Saturday the 2nd of September at Kenwood House in the leafy surrounds of North London. Tickets cost £85 for the whole day and are available now on ftweekendfestival.com. Now, time for a spot of shopping. Does small change really matter to millionaires? This was the question posed by the FT columnist and author Jonathan Margolis following a recent trip to his local supermarket. He joins me now to tell us all about it. Welcome, Jonathan. Nice to see you. So, tell our listeners about your supermarket ordeal. It was hell, Claire. It was hell. I went to our local Sainsbury's. I'm not very brand loyal. I see all sorts of supermarkets behind Good. other supermarkets back. But Sainsbury's have just installed, I found to my horror, since I just got back from the States, pay carts. That's something which is only really known in the UK. Never seen it in America because, of course, we have these pound coins, which are one of the biggest coins in circulation anywhere, biggest value coins. So suddenly, instead of getting a free cart, you have to put a pound into the thing. Now, now you're I, saying cart, but that's that's an Americanism. What is it called? A trolley, isn't it? Yes, it's a, a trolley. trolley. We'll, 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 we'll go for trolley. And they're a nuisance because I don't really carry a lot of coinage. I used to carry it for parking meters, but you don't need that anymore. No, you can pay on your phone apps, now. Which are much, much better. But on this occasion, I had a pound and I put it in. And I did my shopping and I came out and I couldn't get the pound out. It was just stuck. So I kind of chiseled at it for a bit and thought, this is really annoying. And then I saw a passing employee. I said, excuse me, mate, can you just get this pound out? And he couldn't. Now, already we're running into like 45 seconds and I'm starting to feel a bit foolish because a pound, it's really not a very big thing. But there's a principle involved. I want my pound back. I put it in. I want it back. It's mine. So I said to the guy, could you just give me a pound from your pocket and sort it out. And he kind of back, tapped his pockets rather unenthusiastically and said, no, I haven't got any change. He called another colleague over, and now it's turning into a scene. It's an incident. It's, it's an incident. <laughs> People are nobody, staring. Nobody can get it out. And they, they said, you're going to have to go to customer service. Now, at this point, something very British clicked in because I didn't want to be the one who said, oh, really, you know, pound is nothing to me. I shan't go to customer service. You've sorted out amongst yourselves because it would look a bit flash, wouldn't it? To British people. Yeah, but it's the principle. It's a principle. There is a pound. There's a principle. It's my pound. So I then go into customer service. Of course, it's a Saturday, so there's 15 minute, fifteen people in the queue. No, probably five people in the queue. But and it it's felt getting like more and more stupid. I feel more and more foolish. And obviously, they gave me my pound back without any argument. I then had two thoughts, one of which was, I wonder what the richest people I know would think, what they would do in these circumstances. And I kind of mentally filed that away. But then I, I wondered, what would my kids think? They're and all What, what did your up. kids say? Well, the oldest who's a mother of two in Brooklyn and the most financially aware probably of the three in fact she's basically she's tight as a drum uh, she <laughs> all her, everything for the, her and the kids comes from thrift store thrift stores and um, stoop sales and just all the she's always up for saving a penny everything's from Costco in bulk and so on so I asked her 
how long she would have waited for her pound. And she said approximately zero seconds. Wow. I then asked my son, who's the richest of my kids, because he's very successful in the film industry, uh, how long he'd give it. And he said about five seconds, but life's too short. Then my youngest one, who's a struggling writer, who is so financially unaware, I honestly think she believes a, sh a spreadsheet is something you put out at a picnic. She said, no, I'd have, I'd have gone for it. I'd have waited. It's, it's a principle. I said, well, which principle would that be? She said, I'm not quite sure, but there's a principle involved. So then I thought, I'm going to have to write about this. because This is a very key financial point for me. It's a micro point, but it's a key point. So your richest or wealthiest contacts, yeah. you then put it to them. Now, what, it to them. One now, of them, I happen to know. I, thought, well, I, I, I just happen to have two phone numbers of two wealthy, successful people. One of whom is Ray Kelvin, who's the founder and CEO of the Ted Baker. And for, for anyone who hasn't met the founder and CEO of Ted Baker, I have to say he's an absolute card. Um, he's a, a you know a, an East Ender. He is a fanatic. When I was the retail correspondent at the Financial Times, I went into a Ted Baker shop once and he was there like inspecting everything in the shop as a, really? as yeah. a scuttlebutt customer. You know, he's a real no, he's perfectionist. Very, very so proactive, so yeah. I, as soon as I saw his name in the article, I thought Ray would have got the pound. Yeah, so I, so I called Ray. And now the problem was I thought he was going to say, what is a pound? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is a supermarket? I don't know about these things. But he just said, no, absolutely. I'd have, I'd have given it as long as it takes. And he said it's partly emotional and kind of, you know, the way he was brought up to look after the pennies, but also he felt as a fellow retailer, if a retailer has a system, they need to know if it's not working. So he was absolutely on that side. Then the other wealthy person whose phone number I happen to have is Duncan Bannatyne, who's a um, health club entrepreneur. And you know, he, he, famous he, for his appearances on Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den. Very wealthy. And famous for having, he's written a lot of business self-help books, including How to Be Smart With Your Money. So he was the guy and he was um, on holiday in Portugal, but he was very keen to discuss it. And he said that it's absolutely not worth anybody's time. He says it's just not worth a microsecond of anybody's time. It's a pound. So I then asked the supplementary, which is, do you carry change? He said, not really. I keep it in the car for car parks. But so he was. Uh, 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 but oh, the third question also is, do you wait for change in a shop if you pay for something yeah. you know if you buy a mars bar or something for a five and i being a health club guy he said well of course i wouldn't buy a mars bar but we got <laughs> we got through that uh he said oh i'd definitely wait for my change as ray said he'd absolutely wait for his change in a in a, in a shop so i then thought i really have to write about this then i remembered i met a bloke at a conference last year who has a startup called a test and they do online surveys and they're, they're designed to be very quick. So if you're in a boardroom and you're arguing a point, you can actually order up a survey and it'll be done like within the hour. So you ordered up a survey. So I, he, he said well, you can have a free sample. So I took him up like, you... a year after the event. How, how long would you spend? How long would you spend? And the key finding, there were lots of findings, but the, the key finding was that 75% of the British public wouldn't give it more than three to five minutes. And there were obviously lots of sub findings, like people only between 45 and 200,000 were the least likely to wait around and so on. And then we have a subject. I wrote a column on it this current week. And um, there's been there's been hell. So, there's so many comments. So many comments. I have to say, one of the most common ones, which I am also um, guilty of making, is that, that I don't use a pound coin in the, the supermarket trolley. I have a little plastic token that little gave me when I went in one week yeah. and said, goodness, I don't have a pound. Now, and the legality of this concerns me, Claire. Now, if little <laughs> gave it to you, but if you had, and a lot of people have written, say they have a charity, a false pound. Now, yeah, I, I have think, one of those I too. think that's uttering a false 
coinage or something. And I, I reckon you could probably be put in the stocks for that. The same as for, like, for clipping coins in sort of King John's reign. Now, I don't know whether Sainsbury's and co have a, like a corporal punishment department, but I'm not sure if it's legal. If they say the pound is the currency... And if you start using a false pound, I think it's very dodgy. Well, there are so many fake ones in circulation. Well, anyway. there are. Very true, yeah. But most of the commentators, and it is worth reading the article, frankly, just to read the <laughs> comments. <laughs> They're really, really good. Most of them seem to be saying that they would be more inclined to wait to get their pound back, which kind of proves my theory as the person who invented the FT thrift column, yeah. that rich people are mean. That's how they got rich. Yeah, I think it's... It, no, the only flaw in that argument is I've was obviously, like most people, brought up, uh, you know, to look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. Now, I've tried looking after the pennies for 10 years. I put my pennies in a, in a box to the point where they were almost unliftable. And I finally, when my kids were sort of 13 and, I don't know, 11, when they were quite young, during the summer holidays, I gave them the job of counting the box. And they were going to get a tenner each for counting. So I thought I had hundreds of pounds in there. And they spent the whole day counting. And we got the grand total of £78, which makes me think that if you look after the pennies, you get an enormous collection of pennies. Now, I have a, for big change, for the pounds and the two pounds, uh, I have two boxes. I have a penny jar at home, which is useless because I know it's just somewhere to put them because they're really annoying. I can't throw them away. You know, once the American Bar Association had a meeting in London in the 80s and they they gave their um, uh, staff instructions about what to do about the funny English British coinage and they said the brown coins are useless throw them away and I couldn't do that so they go in a jar for no purpose but the big ones do mount up I, I took them to the bank the other day they were 124 quid you know which is a nice lunch somewhere isn't it Absolutely. <laughs> very nice lunch and you don't kind of notice the pain but the pennies I'm not so sure about and, and a lot of I mean the Americans are kind of doing away with their always talking about doing away with their pennies but the they, canadians have canadians have yeah. the australians have new zealand has and although the euro still has that really tiny one doesn't it the, the yeah. tiny useless ones and there's useless ones in china which are worth kind of nothing i've got a useless purse full of small euros at home as well yeah well fantastic thank you so much for joining us on the money show this week if you want to read jonathan's column you can read it why small change matters to millionaires at ft.com slash money and add your comments to the very amusing ones that are there tell us what you you would do with your stuck pound that's it from the ft money show this week if you'd like to get in touch to discuss any of these issues or put a question to our panel of financial experts our email address is money at ft.com follow us on twitter at ft money and you can read and comment on all of our articles online on our website ft.com slash money we'll be back next thursday selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. At the usual time. Goodbye. <laughs>